And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have a gentleman who played defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys from 1961 through 74. I'm looking at how many Pro Bowls you made. 11 Pro Bowls, 7-time first-team All-Pro. You were part of the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team. You got more awards than I think uh, some of these actors in Hollywood. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great. Yeah. I, those awards came uh, spaced out, so I didn't get the big head. <laughs> I see, uh, Mr. Lilly, that you played uh, college football at TCU. How did you end up there? Uh, well, I grew up about 100 miles uh, west of Fort Worth, where TCU is located. And my dad, uh, he, his hero was Sammy Ball, who grew up pretty, pretty near where I grew up. And uh, so when Dad was a young man, he went to watch Sammy Ball, and that was a little bit before my time. So Dad started taking me down there when I was in about the eighth grade, and uh, so I went to games with him probably a couple of, couple of years. And I just, uh, even though I visited uh, many other campuses, uh, for some reason, I guess because of my dad's love for TCU, I went to, went to TCU. Okay. Now, your senior year in high school, you were in Pendleton, Oregon. Right. Yeah, we moved. Uh, we had a drought, a seven-year drought in Throckmorton. It started in 1950. And by 19, we were farmers, basically. And also, Dad had some bulldozers, which he used to, to build ponds and, and terraces and oil field roads or things like that. But by 1955, uh, we were <clears throat> on the verge of being totally broke. <laughs> in fact, we were, I think. But we, we, Dad still worked. He had to go out of state to work. And uh, so anyway, in 1956, my mother and Dad had called all the relatives they had all over the country. And we had my mother had some kin folks in Oregon, and he found uh, her cousin found Dad a job up there. And so we sold everything we had, and we had a 52 Studebaker and a homemade trailer and what we could get on it. And here we go. We were like the Beverly Hillbillies going to Oregon. <laughs> So I went to Pendleton my senior year, and I, I, it was a bigger, much bigger school, 4A school rather than a 1A. And uh, we went to the semifinals in football, basketball, and I went to state and track. And I think I made all-state in football and second-team all-state in basketball. Anyway, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I didn't really want to leave my, my kin folks and my friends. but And it was kind of a lonely ride up to Oregon. But uh, I got it. One cent postcard from Allie White, who was an assistant under Coach Abe Martin, and uh, I we didn't have a phone, so they had to call the coach. So basically, I visited schools in the Northwest, and but when I got the one cent postcard, they they offered me a four year scholarship to TCU with ten dollars a month laundry check, and I knew that my dad had had a mild heart attack by the, by that time, and I heard him talking about coming back, and I think that's another reason and. I wanted to go to TCU, and, and also I, I knew they were going to come back, and my grandmother was still alive, and they came back, and my dad convalesced, uh, and mom, they lived with her for about a year until dad got well. And so anyway, I started my career at TCU. And then you get drafted by the Cowboys as the first uh, draft pick ever. They had to be a thrill for you. Well, you know, it was interesting because I did come back uh from Oregon and went to school in TCU. And interestingly enough, my senior year in college, I made All-American, and the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Texans came into existence, as well as the Houston Oilers. 
And, uh, of course, the Oilers have moved to Tennessee and the Texans have moved to Kansas City, but the Cowboys stayed there. And I was drafted uh, by both the Cowboys and the Texans. And I, I, I asked Coach Martin, I said, what should I do? And he said, well, he said, I like the people that own both teams. He said, they're, not, they're very nice people, but said, the NFL has been around quite a while, and I think it would be wise to maybe go with them if the money's about the same, which didn't make a, what, didn't make a lot of difference. I think my salary was 11.5. Maybe it was ten five. I can't remember, but uh, for, for for the first two or three years I, that I was with the Cowboys, I thought I was. I thought I, I can't believe I'm getting paid to place to do something I really love. <laughs> do you ever think, you know, maybe you, you should have gone with Lamar Hunt and signed with the Texans? Well, uh, I did at first because I had uh, they they really uh, when they started the AFL they had a kind of a, a different way of of drafting. Uh, people, they tried to draft locally so that they would have a lot of interest. So there were a lot of Southwest Conference players that I knew personally and knew them well and some All-Americans who signed with the Texans. So I really didn't have any really close friends other than Glenn Gregory, whom I'd played against at SMU. Uh, I didn't have many friends that I knew, although Meredith was there. I'd played against Don. And uh, so I used to go uh, out and eat hamburgers and so forth with the Texans more than I did with the Cowboys the first couple of years, but we we didn't have a draft the first year. I, there was not a draft, and that was that was my senior year in college. And so they they did have a draft the next year, and I was I was fortunate to be the number one draft pick. I guess I mean I don't think it would really mattered one way or the other, but I did uh, I did I am happy I'm very happy that I did uh, stay in Dallas, and uh, I'm happy that I went to TCU and. My dad and mother got to come down, my brother and sister, and watch uh, watch the college games. And then it, then they also were able to come, you know, over to Dallas to watch the uh, Cowboy games at home. So I really, and I, my, I had extra tickets sometimes. I would, my dad would bring my uncles and so forth. And it was really kind of nice. I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, I'm real happy that that's the way things worked out. You couldn't have been too happy with Tom Landry, though, because what you start as a defensive end, and then he moves you to uh, defensive tackle after a couple of years. Yeah, I started out at, at defensive end. He he wanted me to play left defensive end because I was uh, I was really quick off the ball and I was left-handed, and he just thought that would be ideal. But I'd never had played defensive end. I'd always played defensive tackle, and playing defensive tackle is kind of like playing middle linebacker. There's somebody going to hit you every play, and it's 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 really a perfect position for uh, people that are, are very quick and strong enough to withstand the the zone, the zone blocks and the double team blocks and all that. Uh, but I fit right in there. I knew they moved me in the middle of the, my third year. I moved to a defensive tackle. After I did go to the Pro Bowl my, my second year as a defensive end, but I didn't like it. I hated it. There was no action. You know, it's like you just wait around out there. But in the middle, you're you got to be alert <laughs> or get killed. What were the early years of the Cowboys like? Other than you lost a lot of games. Well, it was uh, we had training camp a long way from home. Uh, all the years that I played with the Cowboys, and the first year I think we went up to uh, we went to Minnesota to St. Olaf College. Uh, I can't even remember the town's name. Billy the Kid robbed the bank there, or no, the Young Brothers. Anyway, uh, we had we had training camp there for six weeks, seven weeks, but two of those weeks I was in Chicago at the All Star Game. So 
uh, anyway, went from there, and then the next year we had somewhere up in Michigan, and it, we had a frost every morning. We were gaining weight. <laughs> he was working us to death, and we were gaining weight anyway. And then we moved uh, from there to Thousand Oaks, California, for my last 12 years. And uh, you know, it was it, we always were gone six weeks, so it was quite a it was quite a uh, an adjustment really to leave your family and everything and go out somewhere. And the first few years in California, up until we started making any money. Nobody had enough money to rent a TV or cars. Maybe one or two of the guys would rent a car, and we'd all cram in there as best we could. And we only had Saturday, I mean Sunday, that we were off. So Saturday night you could go to the movie. You could be in at midnight. And the, the rest of the time it was 11 o'clock, lights out, with coaches checking the rooms. And it was $100 fine, and if you were late, turning your lights out. And if you uh, did it again, it was every, every fine we had doubled. So every time you... If you were overweight a pound, it was twenty five bucks, and if you were overweight a pound the next time, it was fifty bucks. And it's just you know that's sort of the way it was uh, back then, as far as our living conditions. We did have good food. Uh, we had dorm rooms, and uh, that's what we had the whole time I played. It was pretty austere. How many times did Dandy Don Meredith get fined? You know, uh, he got fined. I think for being late a couple of times, but it, it was it was like Cubs Landry. By the time we'd been been under him for a couple of years, we were we were always early, and uh, I think only Willie Towns, who I really felt sorry for, had he had a, a glandular problem and had a weight problem, and so they would let him go through training camp. But then sometimes they find him as much as he made in the game <laughs> when he was weighing in. They had, there was, there were little fines. Most people didn't really, we didn't get fined that much. One time though, Jerry Tubbs, who was our linebacker and, and a, eventually our defensive coach, linebacker coach, and he died recently, but Jerry was from near where I grew up too. Jerry, uh, lived in Plano and he came not very far to where we were practicing. And so they had an outage, a power outage in Plano. And Jerry, uh, Jerry had electric clock like everybody else did. So anyway, Jerry was also a player coach at the time. So here he comes late. And Coach Landry said, Jerry, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to find you 50 bucks. Jerry said, well, Coach, I don't think that's right. Right in front of all those, he said, our power went off. He said, well, I'm sorry. But he said, you you guys need to go buy you a mechanical clock as well as an electric. <laughs> and one time, Craig Martin had a wreck. Uh, missed, he missed practice, or he was late for, no, he was late for the to, for the bus to go out of town to play. And anyway, Craig, uh, Craig had a wreck. And Coach Landry said, well, I think you find him $500 or $250 or whatever it was for being late for the plane. He said, well, Coach, he said, uh, I had a wreck and I, I couldn't do it. He said, you need to start earlier. <laughs> so anyway, you can see there was, Coach Landry wasn't a mean person and he was, he was a very nice person, but he meant what he said. And whenever he said something, that's the way it was. And I think that was probably for that era was a, was a good way to do it. What was it like seeing the transformation from a team that begins to a Super Bowl champion? Well, it was a transformation, and it was a, it was a long process. But my first year, I you know I didn't know what to expect, and we had a we had some good players that they'd gotten out of the pools. But like I say, they didn't have a draft. And Meredith was there, and Eddie LeBaron was one of the players. He was very good. And very, very smart. And we had some other players that were also good and they, but most of them were toward the end of their, their playing career. And 
So we didn't have the youth and the the speed that we got, you know, in the next few years. And so anyway, the draft my second year was a a really good draft. We we drafted a lot of of good players. Cornell Green, George Andrew, Dave Edwards, all those guys played about 14 years. Mike Gector, uh, I don't even remember who all they were. But anyway, a bunch of really good football players. We had Meredith and Perkins already. And uh, then we started getting people like Mel Renfro in about 63 and Leroy Jordan somewhere around 65 and uh, 64, I believe. And uh, we, we started building a team. And so by 1963, our defense was playing pretty well. Our offense was still, still sputtering a little. But by 65, we we eked out a 7-7 seven and seven record, uh, which uh, Coach Landry actually we lost up in Pittsburgh on the seventh game we played 14 league games in on the seventh game, and he ordered everybody out of the locker room, and he, he told us that he was uh, proud of our effort, 110% effort, and he was proud of us as people, and we'd, we'd done everything he'd asked. He said, I, maybe, I thought I would be a good coach in the NFL, but maybe I'm not, 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 not a good coach. And then, then he teared up, and he said, I love you guys. And uh, that was the last year that we didn't perform well. I mean, we were winner. We had a winning season every year from then on. The next year, we had the opportunity to go to our first Super Bowl. We played Green Bay and Dallas and lost. We had we had the ball on the one foot line, had a little penalty, and and Don had an interception. And anyway, we lost our shot at that. And the next year was Ice Bowl. And then we had two years Cleveland beat us. And then we came back and went to the Super Bowl and got beat by Baltimore. And then finally, uh, 1971 team went to the Super Bowl six in. Uh, my, I think it was in New Orleans, and it was in January, and that was uh, that was really a highlight because we had gradually and slowly built a team that was a, were performing on a on a championship level, but we just couldn't quite seem to get the job done. We had all kinds of of names that people gave us, like next year's champions and bridesmaids of the NFL, and uh, I don't know what all. There were several. Uh, can't win the big one, so forth. Cowboys can't win the big one. But we finally did in in that '71 season, and, and uh, I'm telling you, it was like like we had had a hundred pound weight lifted off each of us back, and I've never seen people so happy. And uh, it was a it was a great uh, great experience. And Roger, of course, had come and taken over as quarterback, and he was a great leader. And uh, he 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 guided the Cowboys for several several more years. And anyway, it was just a wonderful evolution. I'm glad. I'm I'm really happy. That I got to go through that because I, that, that made me understand a lot more about how hard it is to be successful, you know, in life and, and other things besides football. And Coach Landry really taught us a lot of things in a business way because he had several degrees and he was very smart, but he was also a businessman. And so we had goals and we set goals. We learned how to do all this. And, we, and if we had some, some fact, faction of our game or some, element of it that was going downhill then that's what we stayed after practice and we worked on it for 30 minutes and then about two weeks you had that corrected <clears throat> so we were you know we were a, we were a good team we weren't we weren't a dynasty but we we certainly were in the playoffs a lot of years and and uh the cowboys i think went to three more super bowls after i left and they won one of them and lost two to pittsburgh in that super bowl against the dolphins you had that 29-yard sack of Bob Greasy. Did you realize what you were accomplishing at that time? A lot of people say it was a signature play of your career. Well, it might have been. I don't know. Everybody asked me about it. But it seemed to me like all I was doing was chasing Bob Greasy from behind and 
Larry Cole was kind of helping me a little, and then finally I caught him because I could outrun Larry. <laughs> and Bob. <laughs> I'm not sure I could outrun Bob Greasy, but I think I could. But anyway, uh, it was a big play. It was, it was a big play. I don't think it really affected the outcome of the game that much. I just, it was a big play for me because I never had a sack that, that long and, you know, before. And, uh, they had a great team. I, you know, I'll never forget. I, uh, I, I uh, watched them. We watched them on film hours and hours of games. We were actually very, very worried about their running game. And the thing was, we had the flex defense, which we were pretty, we could stop the run pretty well, but we didn't know if we could stop them because they were, they were running the ball about 65% of the time. They were making about 240 yards a game and wearing everybody out. And they had a great team. And of course, the next year they proved that they won, won all the games. But it was a, you know, it wasn't as easy as it looked. They had opportunities and we took it away from them and shut their run down, and then they had to go to the passing game. And they had they just weren't used, to, I don't think, weren't used to being a passing team. And we had our coverage was good enough to hold Warfield down and some of the other guys. But anyway, uh, yes, I really enjoyed that. I think it was really a perfect setup to go to TCU and then go 30 miles away and play the rest of my career. That was that was 18 years of my life right there in, right there in Fort Worth and Dallas. And... Uh, of course, you get, you establish a lot of friends, a lot of friendships, and your kids are in a pretty stable situation where they're in one. You know, they don't have to move around all the time. So I I think I've been blessed. And you were the first inductee into the Cowboys Ring of Honor, and you've been at all the induction ceremonies since. What was that like? Well, I didn't know anything about it. I knew that they were going to have a. They called it Bob Lilly Day, and so anyway, at halftime. They sent me back out to the middle of the field, and I figured, well, they're, they're probably just, uh, you know, going to give me a plaque, or I, I didn't have any idea. I went out there, and all my teammates were down there on one side. They had a they had a, a Pontiac station wagon, brand new one, with the, the our team doctor had given me a, a bird dog with a cage, and my teammates gave me a Browning shotgun because they knew I loved to hunt birds. <laughs> And so anyway, uh, then they made big speeches and then they pulled a flag off of, there was a blue stripe running around Texas Stadium it, and the rope got hung. And so anyway, finally they got it loose and it, there it was. Bob Lilly had number 74 and I don't know what else. Anyway, it was, uh, they announced the Ring of Honor and that's, that's, uh, that was a shock to me. I mean, I was shocked to get a shotgun or <laughs> a dog or, uh, in, a, in a Pontiac station wagon, and and then have then be in the Ring of Honor, and all that was a total surprise. How did you become Mister Cowboy? Who gave you that nickname? Uh, Roger's the one that pinned that on me, and I don't know. I, I asked Roger one time, and I think what he told me was he was watching our our films quite a bit. Our defense, our whenever we played the game, we it was the films were inclusive; it wasn't split up defensive and offensive like it is now. So he would watch the offense, and he would watch the defense. And anyway, one day, after a couple of years there, he said, you know, he said, I think you're Mr. Cowboy. And uh, anyway, I don't know. That's how I got started, as far as I know. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with it. But uh, that's kind of like being America's, being America's team was the worst thing that ever happened to us. Why was that? Well, because everywhere we went, people were trying to kill us. They hated that name. They hated for the Cowboys to be called America's team. 
And uh, I'm glad that I finished my career before they I – mean, I, well, I was toward the end of my career that when I started getting the nickname Mr. Cowboy. But it has grown since then. How did you know when it was time to retire? Well, at my neck, about the last – actually, I don't think I ever – felt like I was slowing down. I knew that I was breaking in guys like Harvey Martin and Ed Jones, and I loved them. They were great. They were great defensive ends. George Andrew was a great defensive end, in my opinion. And, you know, Larry Cole was a great football player. And so we had really good athletes, but these guys were just getting bigger and, and faster. And and I, I hurt my neck about the uh, probably about the seventh or eighth game of my 14th year. And I thought it was a crick. I woke up thinking it was a crick, but it ended up that I had, I had, uh, I had a kind of a, a bulge disc and I couldn't sleep at night. I was taking aspirins and I got a bad ulcer and, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't as, I, I couldn't hit anybody with my head. It just hurt too bad. So I, uh, I figured, you know, I don't want to go out of this league on a sorry note. I play. I started every game, played all the games that year. But I wanted to leave while I was ahead, while I was on top, and I did. That's that's the reason I quit after 14. Coach Landers tried to get me to come back, but I told him, like, Coach, I, I'm just, uh, I wouldn't be very good. I'd, I'd be an embarrassment." He said, "Well, you can help these younger guys." And I said, "Well, I just, I don't, I physically couldn't do it. I mean, that's the reason I quit." And I, I finally explained that to him. My wife helped. <laughs> he used to come by and have coffee with us in the morning and talk about it. And, you know, I knew better. I just, I'm glad I did what I did. It has never quit hurting either. It seemed like Tom Landry had a very religious Christian background. You did too. And a lot of the Cowboy players, like Roger Staubach, did seem to help the team. Uh, I, I think, I think so because Coach Landry was very stable. He wasn't, uh, he never, he never had what you call real highs or real lows. He was always businesslike and everything, but he he had his uh, principles, and I I don't think I ever heard him say a curse word. And you know, a lot of coaches will cuss the players, or they will cuss them, you know, whatever, which is fine. I mean, that, that was part of football, you know, that's just the way it is. But uh, he was a good example to all the guys, and he taught all the guys that really played quite a long time for Coach Landry. Uh, I think made better people out of them. I think they had a lot better. Uh, sense of how to accomplish things, how to, how to actually start a business and how to set it up and how to accomplish things. Uh, and also he, he, he was very successful in, in uh, business, uh, in the Dallas area. And, uh, we saw that, I mean, we, I think we had a, uh, back in those days, they might have just been the era. But I think because he was a Christian man and he did have, uh, he controlled himself, that we had the same, we had that same type of of control among the players. We we did we didn't have any as far as I, there weren't many prejudices or any uh, very there were just wasn't a lot of friction or conflicts. Now you talked earlier about Coach Landry cheering up. Most of us who saw him pace the sidelines view him as being fairly unemotional. What, what's he, uh, and, and you also spoke of how he di- didn't seem to have a lot of highs or lows. He always seemed under control. Were there moments away from the cameras, away from the games, where he did show that emotion? 
Yeah, there were times, uh, you know, like, like I said, that, that was the first time we ever really saw him break down. And that was really the last, the last time I ever saw him really break down like that. But I, he would come in and be pretty, I mean, in the meetings when we, we always watched the film together because it was, like I said, it wasn't split up. It was all on one, on one reel. So we would watch the game and the kicking team. Uh, they had a separate camera for the kicking team. So we did get to see that separately. But anyway, when we had a really stinky game, he would come in and he would be very serious. <laughs> and we knew that we were going to run a lot of wind spreads. So he did his that, that way. But he 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 would uh, run that film back and forth. If you had a good game, he would praise you sometimes. And he would, if you had some bad plays, he'd he'd he would get on you for that as well. If you, if we lost as a team and we didn't do very well at all, we made a lot of errors. That's what he really hated was errors. He would uh, he would uh, run that play back and forth about 20 times. We hated that more than anything because our teammates watched us get flattened or something, you know. And so, anyway, that was his way of getting out of control. <laughs> but as far as his, he would call you in, I mean, if you were creating problems as far as being a, t- you know, a part of a team, he would call you in and tell you about it. Not mad, just tell you bluntly. And... Uh, he would just tell you that, you know, this has got to stop or you're going to have to move on. And so he was, and it, but he was very good about, you know, like players when they would get toward the end of their career, he'd, he would want to keep them another year to train the younger people coming up. And a lot of guys got to play another year or two, probably after they should have quit, kind of like I could have done, but I, I just didn't feel right about it. I, did, I knew that I wouldn't be able to help my teammates. But anyway, Coach was uh, was a wonderful man. He was very involved in the city of Dallas and uh, FCA in Dallas, as well as business and all kinds of of uh, charitable charitable things. He, and his wife, both of them were involved. Alicia. And anyway, they were they were wonderful people. She's still alive and very very nice lady. Coach Landry was a wonderful man. After I after we all retired from football, I mean, I would go see him from time to time or be in a golf tournament with him or something like that. And he was so ni- he was so down to earth and so nice and talked just pretty glib. But whenever you were in un- playing football for him, it was, it was a little more serious. Did he ever, I never heard him say a bad word about Jerry Jones, what Jerry Jones did to him. How did the former players feel about the way he was treated? Well, I think most of the players were shocked that, uh, that, Jerry didn't notify him, you know, prior. But what I found out later was that Jerry ended up having to negotiate with Bum Bum Bright, who was the owner. Uh, after I after I'd gone, I, I didn't ever know uh, Mr. Bright very well. But anyway, I think uh, what happened was Jerry told me this anyway, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's right. Uh, he was negotiating with Bum Bright, and they made a handshake deal, and. It, it got out because Jimmy Johnson had come to town and they were eating in a restaurant in Dallas and the, the people put two and two together at the media there and sure enough there had been a, <clears throat> a handshake sale and uh, he had hired, he went ahead and, and hired Jimmy Johnson, that was announced and then someone said well nobody's told Coach Landry so Jerry, Jerry said oh my goodness so he flew down and told Coach Landry but I never heard Coach Landry say one bad word except I heard him say one thing he said I wish I'd have known this a while back uh, because I I have put so much effort into this next season 
and I hate to miss it. <laughs> and that was about it. He never said anything. And he said, I was ready to, I'm, I've been ready to, to retire for two years. And he said, uh, he said, but, uh, I don't, he said, I know that the ownership can change, uh, on any team and things like this are possible. But he said, Jerry came down and apologized for the way it was handled. And he said, that's fine with me. So that he never said another word. More than one person has described you as the greatest defensive tackle in NFL history. What, what's it like when, when you hear that? Well, I don't get the big head because I don't think I was. I think there were, there's been many, but, but it is a compliment and I, I, uh, I appreciate it, but <laughs> you know, I, I don't think about, I don't dwell on things like that. That's, uh, that's, there's too many different circumstances. I think there have been many great court, but great tackles. So uh, we'll just let it go with that. I'll tell you what, though. You're not a great football player. You're a great photographer from what I saw on the Internet. Well, I've you know, I've been doing it. Uh, my senior year in college, when I was some of the All-American teams I went on, one of them was Coach's All-American team, which was sponsored by Kodak back then. And they gave each of us. But, and by the way, there were only about 13 guys on the teams back then because uh, they, we played both ways. So they they usually had a couple of guys like the kicker and somebody else that would be uh, a backup for the quarterback that played on defense or something. Anyway, uh, I got a Motormatic camera, and they gave us 200 rolls of film and mailers to send them back to Kodak, and they would send us the pictures free. And after that, I got to go to several All-Star games, and I went to the Hula Bowl was one of them. I took a lot of pictures over there. I wish I could find them because I took some pretty nice pictures, actually. And I took some at the Shrine game and then some in Buffalo and played an all-star game up there. And then in the, uh, when we, I went up to Chicago and played in that, uh, pro football, we played the winners of the season before, the college all-star versus the pros. And I took my camera with me. And then I ultimately, my second year, I had a dark room. I had a, a real dark room from that point until about 1992 when we moved and, I didn't want to build another one, and I started doing, going digital. Although I still went down to the uh, camera store and printed my own prints on their equipment and paid them for the use of the equipment. But I do it all digitally now, and I really enjoy it. It's a fun thing to do. I don't do quite. I'm, I'm getting older, and I don't do as much as I used to. But uh, photography's been a really nice hobby for me, you know, throughout the years, and I. Took teammates, all my teammates and their children's pictures, and some of my teammates have come back and told me they wouldn't have had any pictures of their kids if it hadn't been for me. <laughs> so anyway, it, it worked out pretty good. Did you take your camera to the new Texas Stadium, and uh, what, what do you think of that place? Yeah, well, it's actually the Cowboy Stadium, but yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 no, you're you're right. I, I, I still call it Texas Stadium too because. <laughs> What I'm used to, but I know they've told me enough now. No, this is Cowboy Stadium. So I'm, I think I'm correcting people now myself. Uh, Cowboy Stadium is, is fantastic. I mean, it is absolutely the prettiest place I've ever been in. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I take my hat off to, to the Jones family and the architects and the people that built it because it's, we, when we had the grand opening before it ever opened, they, they had the ribbon cutting. It wasn't, it wasn't the grand opening, but the ribbon cutting. That was the year before, or six months before the season started the next year. And we were standing up there near the stadium where the, the doors on either end are about 90 feet tall, and they are, I think there's six of them. 
And while we were cutting the ribbon, we were looking out at the crowd, and they were opening the doors. And the doors have roller bearings on them. We never even heard the doors open. We turned around, and and those doors were all stacked together. Great, There was a huge opening. So, And the other end has the same door. So what they, whenever it's fall, they open those doors, and they open the roof. You have an inflow of cool air that, you know, that, and then a, a chimney-like uh, opening there that lets the hot air out. So it really is a beautiful stadium, and I've, I've been all through it. I've taken the tour. I recommend any, anybody that uh, goes down to Dallas. It's in Arlington, but Fort Worth or Dallas, they, that, that's a very reasonable tour, and it's very informative. I want to thank our guests today, Gwen Summers and Bob Lilly. What a phenomenal show. Anytime you can As talk- always. Anytime you could talk to a Hall of Famer, it just brings up my day in a beautiful woman. Exactly. Another great job by Dave Olson. Again, thanks for listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with Elliot Harris, and I'm David Spada. Thank you.